hair looks good. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to make another concerted effort to not say, um, you know, like, again, this episode. Okay. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to put myself to the test starting off. Is Be- there, uh, what's the reason behind that? Because I do it a lot and it's annoying. I'm trying to make us better. Okay. Is that something you've observed or was somebody like, hey, you do this? Listen, this is what I've observed. Let's be honest. You're dead weight here. All right. (laughs) I'm going to have to carry myself and you. I'm going to have to carry all of this in order to take the extra weight. I'm going to cut down on the annoying speech patterns that I have. Okay. So I'm going to put that to the test by starting with a rant. If you will, oblige me. Humor me. Um, I'm loading the Vikings-Rams game as we speak. Oh, good. So, again, you are proving your dead weight. Um, I appreciate that. So, we are recording on the day that Dr. Ford and Kavanaugh both testified. And there's something that I've been dancing around and trying to articulate. And I think it's this. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And when I look at Trump or when I look at Kavanaugh or when I look at like our political reality, I don't see, you know, like an indictment on Republicans. Trump is not just an indictment on Republicans. He's an indictment on the system. Yes. There's a hairbrush upstairs. Uh huh. <laughs> Let's right. see if your uh, rant can stand up to the multiple interruptions, interruptions that we're about to incur. Yeah, well, I'm not going to interrupt my own self with. Likes or she knows. Where was I? Trump is an indictment not on the Republicans, but on on our system. Sure. On on our political system. Kavanaugh as well. The people who are the most pernicious threats to our political system aren't the ones who are openly being the bad guys at every turn. Who are just out there saying, I am in this for the corporations. I am in this for myself to make more money. I'm in this to just have a cushy job at the end of this service. I'm here to tow party lines. The threats are the, you know, Ezra Klein's, the Matt Iglesias's. I read an Ezra Klein uh, post mm-hmm. this last week where he was talking about the intellectual dark web and kind of, you know, he's like, I've been thinking about this a lot and here's my takedown of the intellectual dark webs, the Dave Rubens and Ben Shapiro's and all that. And he starts by like bemoaning his status in kind of leftist culture and calling out like the Chapo guys for, you know, kind of going after him and Matt Iglesias. Mm -hmm. And like, I realized that they legitimately don't, understand what the issue is that's at stake here yeah anybody who says look we just need to like batten down the hatches and survive the the storm of trump so that we can emerge on the back end and continue building this utopia that we've been moving towards is completely out of their minds and they forget that like the the last financial collapse if we just take that what we are being asked today is to swallow the reality that that is going to continue to happen and that that is just part of the game that we're playing. Right. That, you know, Trump is just purely from this one side. He did not arise because of a broken political system. And, you know, that like you can just search their names and see these like line toting. Not just like left-toting, but just 
the status quo toting articles where they're devoting just like hours of their lives crafting these banal defenses of the status quo. I just want to be like, that is the reading that you're going to have in hell. Mm-hmm. That, that is what you'll be able to read as you're awaiting whatever sentence or trial or different torture that you're going to go through in hell. You're going to be able to pick up a magazine that's just a collection of those articles, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, uh, and, and so that is, I think, my biggest takeaway from all of this, uh, from, from all of this, like, you know, moment quote unquote. And I don't understand how people still are looking at this moment and either seeing like, well, Kavanaugh came out and yelled. Right. That was just uh, I, we have no political counter for that move. That is just a brilliant, poli- you know, like I still hear people talk about this hearing in terms of like normal political debate instead of just cutting to the panel of CNN talking heads and everyone just sitting there with their mouths open, drooling on the table because it's the only response to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there is no, did he, did he now give people the cloud that they need to vote for him? You know, that there's no political analysis of that. That, that is just an abdication of, you know what, this whole thing is going down and we're going to keep playing the, you know, this music until we're submerged and underwater. Mm-hmm. I think that's largely my rant. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that I stirred you. <laughs> my, my Lindsey Graham-esque filibuster yeah. uh, was able to pull your eyes from the streaming game for all of five seconds, I think. Well, I mean, I hear you. I just am not uh, as... Uh, invested, I guess. I just am not, uh, I'm not under any sort of guys that like Brett Kavanaugh's not going to be voted on to the no, Supreme Court. No, he is. He is. You know He's I mean? going to be voted on tomorrow. <clears throat> but, yeah. but again, the thing is, well, they're going to do the vote to do the vote tomorrow. Yeah, no, he's go- it's the wheels are going to be put into motion right, yeah. and I think what Saturday, right? Saturday right. they're going to do the actual vote. Right. It, it's going to go, you know, tomorrow and then Saturday and then everyone's going to wring their hands or whatever. No, th- this is this is on track. What I think is motivating me is the fact that we are in a election year, right? And th- I said right, okay. I need to pull that back. But what we need and, and I think what anybody should support is far left candidates. What we have now as a majority of our political system are all people who are fundamentally supportive and defensive of our capitalist, uh, quote unquote, republic democratic system. You know what I mean? And I don't. See, like, if you look, I've been watching It's Alive. Hands down, one of the top 10 greatest shows of mm-hmm. all time. And the whole premise of that show on YouTube, Bon Appetit, uh, is he deals with, Brad deals with fermentation. Mm-hmm. And you, you always, when you're dealing with fermentations, you need an agitator, right? You need something that will kick that process off and start you know, creating the mold or whatever you need to create the fermentation process. What we need is a fermentating kind of kick in the political system. What you have in terms of outside the standard process is a far right libertarian who is basically libertarians to me are like a defeated beta gorilla. It's like they tried to defeat the silverback. And got trounced. And now they're frustrated and upset that they have to live within this system. Mm -hmm. And they just think if the jungle could be free for all, that they would have their own harem of 
you know, female gorillas that they could control in their corner of the forest. But instead, they're being forced to live underneath the domination of the stronger, you know, kind of male. Right. I literally think that that is the fundamental kind of like motivation of libertarians Mm. that and trying to justify their uh child porn addiction you know (laughs) just trying to find how many laws do we have to in in null before i can do this in the privacy of my own how much of a shroud do i have to build up before i can enact my real objective which is lowering the cons- the consensual the age of consent. <laughs> so you you have that on one side and as you slowly start coming to you know left right and like from there you you've got the white supremacists you've got all these people you've got the white nationalists you've got the alt right you've you're you're moving now left 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 i'm looking for some ideology that is fundamentally going to challenge the systems of power and the corporate kind of moneyed interests that control our politics, mm-hmm. our society. And I move and I see like the the right center, the center left. But as I start getting further and further left, what I'm seeing is people who are saying, I care about not being funded by any interest. And that to me is a fundamental, I, and I think again, that crosses all kind of ideologies. Any, I think, sensible person would see of the value of a non-sponsored, lobbied, pocketed, bought and sold politician acting in the political realm, period. Mm-hmm. You're only getting that from these mostly democratic socialist you know, uh, candidates mm-hmm. who are also... If you look at a lot of their platforms are for basic decency and life for all people, you know, and identifying that, yeah, our system is broken. Our system is unjust Mm -hmm. and it needs to be addressed. Okay, get a few of those in there. How many currently do we have in the system? We got what, Bernie Sanders? Yeah. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Every, everybody else is in all these other party lines, and we even have the, the, uh, the Tea Party. It, they've just been in there long enough to all show that they're crooked and get, you know, thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. I just saw there was a, a trial for a Tea Party guy who, you know, embezzled money and took all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Again, because you might be against money or influence or something like that. But if you're on the right, I think you're fundamentally concerned with power mm-hmm. at some level. And power corrupts. So not going to vote for you. Sure. Sorry. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's probably why I'm, I've sort of reached this level of, or I've been able to, I'm still following sort of like headlines loosely, but I can't get into like the day-to-day stuff anymore because it just is like so obvious that nothing's going to happen right until the midterms and then we'll see what happens then and then we have the possibility of what just like basically just like obstruction for another two years like you know what i mean where mm-hmm. where, we're just, where we just do or the democrats just do what the republicans did for obama's presidency more or less which is just as like We've got the majority, so we're just not going to let you do anything for two more years. And then we can try and vote in a Democratic president. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like there's not really anything that can be done for, which is, a, I guess, maybe a bit defeatist. But at the same time, like, I just, I, I've given up on the idea that any one of the Republicans are going to be like, this guy, can't, like, we can't have this guy in the Supreme Court. Like, I understand, like, this is our opportunity to, like, majorly uh, 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 unbalance this thing. But, like... Oh, totally. I, I posted... You know what I mean? Like, Jeff Flake... Jeff Flake! Right. He, he, he's, he will say a million times over that this is concerning or whatever, and then 
come Saturday, he's going to vote to confirm Kavanaugh. Well, I, I, no said, doubt in my mind. I said when Jeff Flake gave his whatever it was, his speech again in front of Congress, or I was like, if you respect Jeff Flake, then please, I too am somebody who believes and does not believe certain things that people may or may not disagree with. Mm. And I'm not afraid to say that. So now please respect me because I have this firm stance of yes and no. And I will say yes and no. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to say both. Right. Like, but that's all it takes. And I've seen people passing around like Jeff Flake or Ben Sass, right? Sassy. Right. And, and they're like, oh man, hope they're running. But they're running for what? So they can yeah. like grandstand and then secretly like right. slide their vote under the table to Mitch McConnell, <laughs> yeah. you know, and be like, yeah, I think we should get poor people on an island far away. Right. Like, yep, I'm yeah. Yeah. And that. these people are. Uh, they're like irredeemable politically. I don't want to get into like a moral discussion, right? But like politically, these people are. Yeah. They're they're to, for me they're done and, and like I've said all they're doing they're they're letting Trump ramrod through all these terrible policies that they love and then once Trump's out it's going to be like oh no that was all his fault I'm not oh, with, I'm not with that guy totally. I, I was look here where I said that this is concerning you know what I mean mm-hmm. they're just going to try and like distance themselves from it. So moving into, I think the main thing I wanted to talk to you about was Serial. So Serial season three launched and they've already released three episodes. Have you listened to? Yeah. Okay. So the first thing that Serial has made me think and feel, especially in the midst of this political climate, is that I do think that we are fundamentally in a new space culturally. So. Previously, people had to keep living and operating. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just quickly want to follow up to say that I'm not both sides, both sides in my argument. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the Democrats also suck. I'm not trying to say they're just as bad as the Republicans. I would obviously rather have de- more the, de- the Democrats be more in power than the Republicans. But I do understand that they are also terrible. A hundred percent. And 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 it and for me it's a it's a matter of okay, getting that majority back and then so getting them out. Least, so right, exactly. So we can at least get back that semblance of you people have to listen to us, right? Because to me the Republicans, all they represent, like you said, is is pure power. That's all they care about is consolidating the power for them and for the people that are paying them, which is the ultra rich, right? There is no masquerading around that anymore. So we can at least get Democrats in. So we can at least get back the idea that our votes, our ideas are supposed to be dictating their whatever. Mm-hmm. And exactly. And then we vote them out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as totally. soon as we get the better candidates to come along. Right. Um, so sorry. Anyways. No. Yeah. So. I, I work at university. I did a presentation one time on the effects of kind of social influence on student success. Mm-hmm. This idea that we expect people to just go to college and perform and be good and succeed. But a lot of times they carry with them influences that are harder to identify if you just treat a student like every other student. And again, I think that that is largely the argument against people who want to argue against like systemic racism or anything like that. It's like, listen, whoa, 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 man. People are people. Mm. This is all about merit, right? This Mm. is all objective. And they reject this idea that, that you cannot be objective, Mm. which is, that is actually objectively true. You cannot be objective. Mm. And, um, looking at these influences on student success, burnout, what they're carrying with them, you know, how would it feel to, you know, go to school every day and then read like 
yeah, the earth is going to be flooded in 100 years and, you know, future generations are not going to be able to live here and whatever else. There's going to be just global catastrophe that we're headed towards. How do you stay motivated in that atmosphere? And one of the arguments is like, well, that's not new. You know, um, civil rights protests, Vietnam, you know, you have all these, you know, other kind of financial collapses throughout the history of America that you have these examples of people still, you know, kind of going to work and school under those extreme circumstances and, and just pushing through and getting, getting by. Mm-hmm. My argument, though, is that I think that this is unique because never before have we been able to access the breadth of injustice that's happening in our world, in our culture. You know, we just kind of, through serial, through podcasts, we kind of stay to what's happening in America, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't really look at global issues podcasts you know, on purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I will listen to stuff when it comes up in This American Life and talk to me about Syria and stuff. But I mean, like, God forbid that I expand my focus to global issues and start looking at the injustice as, as much as I am here in America. Like, there, there's not enough time in the day, right? It's just an endless cavalcade of injustices. Mm-hmm. And I think that the ability to, for me to like pull up a hundred different podcasts that all address societal injustice in a myriad different areas and to not be able to, you know, kind of get away from that in terms of what is happening every day and my ability to hear people in their own voices talk about it, to not read it dispassionately, to not just have to be interested to go out and pick up that book to read about what happened there, but to literally be like, hey, you like this podcast. Here's a whole season. We're going to be talking about the Rodney King trial and digging Mm. really deep on how effed up that entire thing was and how the scar that left on on that area and our nation, you know? I think that that is something that I really wrestled with, especially with this last episode of Serial, is this is always been going on you know Mm. we've always been operating in like this atmosphere and climate of injustice i wouldn't know euclid ohio if not for serial season three Mm -hmm. and there in three episodes i've been exposed to a whole lot of injustice (laughs) and those aren't stories right when you listen to episode two and there is a mother who is begging the judge to let her go to a drug court where they have a structure there to help her through her, her, her addiction and instead gets denied because this judge wants her on his, uh, uh, what, what, what's his plan called? It's, it's I can't remember. observation, parole, yeah. whatever, right? He wants her on that, which doesn't have the structure. It just has his belief. It just has his belief that the problem is, to, you know, you got uh, one parent. Mm-hmm. Well, you pregnant. Right. Yeah. Yup. You know what I mean? Like that, that is, that's, she's the living her life in the cloud of that reality. Mm-hmm. And for the people who, again, want to try and argue and debate semantics of like, oh yeah, uh, black lives matter. Sure. All lives matter. What about that? Uh, what you want to indict the whole, you know, a court system, get out of here. It's like, no, actually, I, I do. I do want to indict the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Look at this. Yeah. Listen to this story. Like, these are not new stories. This has always been happening. It's just they didn't have podcasts in 1932 <laughs> to talk about the lady who got railroaded in, in court and got her children taken away from her for whatever reason that the judge wanted to do it. We are, we are now hearing it. And to the people who, again, want to run further away from the reality of those stories or in any way debate like, well, Sarah Koenig, I don't know. She's not a very likable personality. I find her annoying. What's up with that vocal fry? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's all just like trying to salve over what I hope is a pernicious little voice underneath that that is telling them this is bad. This, right. is, this is really, really bad. 
the fact that, that this is happening, and then you either have to say, okay, I accept that this is happening and it's bad, and now we either need to fix it or I need to find a way through it, or no, I can just you know, claim politics or excuse it from some other way, which is exactly what we're seeing again with the Kavanaugh hearings, which is like, listen, I respect that woman. I respect her story. Now, let me just completely disrespect everything that she's about by saying, mm-hmm. you know, Judge Kavanaugh, you are a good man and you've been railroaded. Mm-hmm. Well, those two things don't make sense. You know what I mean? Right. You're, you're, you're living by a code that is insanity. It, it doesn't connect. It doesn't make sense. But you're still a congressman. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're not like the guy who makes my sandwiches and has crazy conspiracy theories at the corner. Like you, you are entrenched in this political system and completely unafraid of getting voted out of it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that sticks out to me, that stuck out to me the most about the Kavanaugh stuff and about this last episode of Serial is... And I think it was, uh, maybe it was a question they were talking about on Majority Report. But it's especially evident with like the Kavanaugh stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what specifically. But just like the stuff that they say, it's definitely was the Kavanaugh stuff. But it's like, um, oh, where they're talking about the, was it like Renata alumni something in the yearbook? Did you hear about that? Mm-hmm. So there's the Renata alumni thing that like nine of the seniors in the yearbook have this like strange yeah. affiliation. Nobody knows what it means. And Kavanaugh's one of them and his buddy judge is one of them, of course. And the, I guess, original story was that or the idea that it was this girl that they all slept with mm-hmm. from a different school. And then their official explanation of that mysterious <laughs> affiliation was that it was just some girl from another school that they all took to a dance or something like <laughs> that. <laughs> and it's just like, wait a minute. You don't really expect people to believe that, right? <laughs> and just is like it's so boldly and blatantly a lie. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a lie that a 12-year-old would tell you. Mm-hmm. And that you'd kind of be like as a parent, you'd be like, "Okay, I know my kid's lying to me, so I'll turn this into like a lesson." You know what I mean? But like you said, this is someone who is being confirmed for the like highest court highest court in the world right <laughs> for like, for a lifetime this is crazy totally so, crazy and it's the same thing with the police with the guy in the in the mm-hmm. and i'll say this about the episode 3 there's definitely a narrative bent to it mm-hmm. because they save the big reveal, reveal for the, end, for of, the mm-hmm. end of the episode and the entire time I'm listening to the episode, I'm thinking, this guy is a liar. I know mm. in my heart of hearts that, this, that these people are lying, that these cops are lying. I can tell they are lying. But you don't know because, you know, it, it's, they're, it's just sort of telling the story moving along. There's, there's no, it is a total they said, he said situation, mm-hmm. right? And my biases lead me to believe that these people are straight up liars. But then you hear him talking in court, and he's like, he's on point. You know what I mean? He's not stumbling over his words. Right. He's not getting flustered. He is like, he knows what's introduced. Down, right? There's a bulge. Yeah. Uh, right, exactly. And the entire time I'm thinking, this guy, I know this guy's lying. I, I just know it. You know what I mean? And then it gets to the end of the episode, and it's like, and then like however long later, he gets caught filmed in the street just beating up a random person. <laughs> Did you watch that video? I didn't. No. I I actually went back and watched the video. Yeah, I mean the audio is horrific. Oh, it's right. It's, it's like, horrible. 
Riffic. It's like it's like script. It, it would be it could be scripted, right? To like make you feel terrible. It's just so bad because like here's the mother filming it from her apartment, and here's the little kid right next to her who's completely confused and terrified. And she's like, "This is disgusting." <clears throat> but that whole so both of those things have sort of this really depressing confluence mm-hmm. of being like. Like these people just don't care. And it's like Mm -hmm. you said, without this one podcast and again to the like to the Black Lives Matter thing to like the the people who want to be like uh, it's not all cops, which again, if you want to get down to completely decontextualized, right, extremely uh, by the book semantic reading. I'm not saying it is literally every single cop in the world doing this mm-hmm. thing, but I will say metaphorically, it is all cops. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. it's not hard to see that this sort of corruption spreads. And, you know, again, that, that scenario in serial involved two cops. One of them, uh, now we don't know. I haven't looked into it. Have not, the next episode's not out yet, but I'm going to assume that the guy who got caught on camera beating another black person in the street for no reason is probably a racist. Does that mean that the, his partner who was involved in that is as much of a racist as that guy is? <laughs> no, but he's not a good person if he's going along with that and if he's covering up for that and if he's working alongside that guy and allowing that kind of behavior to happen. Is it necessarily as bad as what that guy is doing? Maybe not. But it is bad, mm-hmm. right? And it is inexcusable. And I'm totally comfortable lumping those people in with the same people who are actually shooting other people. Here, here's the other thing. This is anecdotal, but whether it's cops or whether it's people that I've experienced in my own life, there's always this element that in a public debate or whatever, if you want to talk about the Second Amendment, you're going to get somebody up there who like shaves, they've combed their hair, they walk calmly up to the microphone and they go, uh, excuse me, sir, madam, ladies, gentlemen, I just want you to know that I am a gun owner and I respect guns and it is not about power and it is just about ownership. It's about freedom. It's about right. liberty. And they go on their whole spiel, Right. You go over to their house for a beer. What's the first thing they do? Look at this badass gun. Look, I drilled a hole in the top and it lets the fire shoot out the top of it. You know? Oh, when I do this, it allows for a bullet to be, you know, reloaded 0.5 seconds faster. Isn't that awesome? Oh, look at this cool gun. It's, it's all about a cool factor and fundamentally underneath it, which I feel like is addressed as a cop no cop is going to say like yeah it feels badass to walk around with a gun mm-hmm. in public and just have people know like oh he's got a gun you know and just see people react to me walking around with a gun do a lot of them probably think it's pretty cool that they walk around with a gun not all cops i know not all cops right. probably think that but all cops probably think that to a certain they extent, work right? Work with the guy that does think. That, yeah, that right? works with the guy. Like, like, who do you think is attracted to this job? You know, right? Again, not everybody who just wants to be cool and walk around with a gun on their hip and work out and get really like crazy buff and feel powerful. But probably a lot of people who want to do that. Right. You know what I mean? And and again, like, so yeah, exactly. It's it, it, it's absurd. And I feel like it also is, is hard, again, kind of weaving in, especially episodes three of, of Serial. Good night, baby. I love you. And the, and the, the court or the, the testimonies. It obscures from the fundamental realities at play. For me, the Kavanaugh thing comes down to two, two simple issues. Number one, if he truly believes that this is a, a nightmare on, on himself, his family, his reputation, then he would be saying, I will wait as long as I need to to get my name cleared. Right. Do an FBI investigation. Right. I don't care 
how long it's been. And, you know, one one uh, senator was like, give us a week. And he was like, I, I, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you would at least say, yeah, a week. Right. Yeah. Do whatever you want a week. You got it. I, I support that. Wouldn't do that. Number two, if he legitimately loves this country and respects the court like he claims he does and they tried to sit out in his opening insane opening statement mm-hmm. not sure did you hear his opening statement no, I didn't where he blamed the clintons for for all of it i mean you know it, it, it's insane partisan yeah. rhetoric yeah. meant to signal to trump and everybody right. else like exactly. i'm one of you um but the second piece, and this is what nobody asked and I would have asked if, if I was a, a senator, I would have said, if you truly love this country, if you truly love and respect the Supreme Court, then you would withdraw your nomination yourself. You would look at this and you would say, this circus that has followed me is such a distraction and a disgrace to the country that everybody claims it is. I, out of respect for the institutions at play, will remove my candidacy and I will fight these charges outside of this until my dying breath. Mm -hmm. But because I respect the court so much, I will not besmirch it with this cloud. You know? Right. I I would have angled in and been like, do you love this country? Do you love this court? Is this a circus? Then why don't you remove yourself from it? Because you are becoming a distraction. I'll tell you right now, there's not a job I can conceive of in my mind that I would push forward through his situation just so I could get. You know, mm-hmm. I would say, listen, even if I didn't do anything wrong, I somehow invited this much of a doubt to follow me. My, I, at some point, I screwed that up. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking myself out of the running. Somebody else go for it. And then, and then I'd fight it on my own. Mm-hmm. But he won't do it. Because it's all just lip service. Yeah. It's all just false outrage, you know, getting himself worked up into tears over and over and over again, uh, just so he can get the party line to vote him in. Yeah. So anyway, it's going to happen. Um, I, I honestly think that we are. I, I truly do believe, though, my, my optimistic streak in humanity goes as far as to think that this vote to put him on the Supreme Court will haunt some of the Republicans. And whether or not we ever hear it, it will be something that they think about on their deathbed and regret. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, I don't. That, that, that's as far as my optimism. I don't think about it any further than next week. Listen, I, I, I actually don't agree with that. I, I do think, regardless of everything else, push everything aside. What Dr. Ford did today in her testimony is important in terms of us as a human species coming to grips with the society that we've structured that benefits men in power over women. That I do think that this is a moment that can't be denied or pushed past. That it will be something that will haunt, you know, the lives of people and maybe even some politicians moving forward. I mean, yeah, I guess people, yeah, but like I'm thinking, like, like I don't think Lindsey Graham's going to think about this. No, 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 no. Some I didn't say all. I, I meant like my my okay. specific. I meant the specifically the people who are voting to confirm Gavin. Well, no, no, no. I think so. I would say th- there's a a picture going around. And I'm not into like conspiracy theories or reading in, but it's like Feinstein and the Murkowski. Or I, uh-huh. I I can't I can't remember who else, but. It's them having a conversation. You can see on the face of like the female senator this like resignation. Uh, I, I I actually need to get the names right, but to me it read as a a candid moment caught where just one Democratic senator was like, "You know what this represents. You you know what 
putting him through to the Supreme Court does to women in this country. Mm-hmm. And the other person being like, I have to do it. I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. But actually registering. To, now, they will still vote the party line. And, and Kavanaugh, I believe, will still get in. But I do believe that there's a remnant of humanity in some of maybe the women who are going to vote for him that it will haunt them and it will be something that they will regret later on. The fact that people can't see that now is absurd mm-hmm. to me. But yeah, I, I, just, I just can't. Like, Lindsey Graham, man, you really, like, you can, you can go home. Like, right now, are his feet kicked up? And is he re-watching his own five-minute grandstand and being like, damn, Lindsey, you, uh, man, you're good. Yeah, I bet he's on cloud nine. You're good. You're good looking. Trump loves you. I was going to say, he's probably got you're some in. DMs from Trump. Hmm. I bet he's loving it. Uh, man, we're going to get him in. Trump's going to be out. Then you're going to flip sides. And no one's going to care and going to keep our power. Uh, so cereal, season three. Sure. Wait, wait. So, what, what's your take overall? Um, do do you like it? Do you like? Yeah, it? I like yeah. it. I, yeah. I think it's good. Uh, like I said, I do uh, feel not uncomfortable, but the last episode does have me thinking about that line between sort of doing a good what I see is doing a good and bringing this, these stories to light, giving them attention, but also manipulating them in a way that makes them better narratively. Uh huh. Yeah. A podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't feel that way necessarily with the first two episodes, but this last one definitely because they saved that sort of gut punch to the very last seconds of the episode. But at the same time, I guess timeline wise, that does it follows right because they're mm-hmm. kind of telling the story she's kind of telling the story from when she got there up until she, she, they're telling the story from up until she got there and then they're following it sort of real time i guess um so maybe i'm just being a little too squeamish about that and there's nothing really there since they're just sort of naturally following the progression uh but it did make, make, make me think about that a little bit. But overall, yeah, I, I like it a lot. Um, and maybe this is also just remnants from the first season. Because I didn't listen to the second season. Mm-hmm. But I am also constantly aware of the idea that they're not totally sure of what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like the like when season one finished, started and finished, like you realized they had no idea what they were getting into. <laughs> yeah. They had no idea what their presence and attention on this story would bring would and how it would do. affect mm-hmm. the uh, situation. Um, not that I fully understand that, but I do understand that it did something. And so that's something else that I'm aware of. Like I'm not getting some sort of like expert analysis here. I'm just getting exposure basically. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I feel like the insight is coming from myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting insight from them. Right. I'm not like, which is something that I look for. Like I want someone smarter than me to tell me what to think. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas I'm listening to this and I'm just like, okay, this is really terrible. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm, I like it. Uh, yeah, I really like it. I, I think this and in the dark, the last season of in the dark represents some, really amazing kind of like journalism Mm -hmm. and research of an issue. 
I I do feel like at some point, and I think this is what we've danced around too. There's only so much that can be said and done to convince somebody of something. At some point, you say like, "There's no convincing this person. It's like, it's over." Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that you didn't want to get polit. You want to make it like a moral judgment, but you're like at some point politically, people are just like too far gone mm-hmm. which i feel like is i mean the way you're using it is moral right it's sure like, yeah but, but political moral yeah yeah i just don't want to talk about exactly that exactly <laughs> but but i feel like you know it, it, and i i feel like when it comes to some of these issues that cereal is bringing up i can't imagine a clearer way of showing it mm-hmm. you know i mean whether you want to say like michael moore get out of your movies i can't hear your point i hate you whereas you know people can do that with his stuff right oh it's he's just grandstanding it's just him the show i think adequately sidelined sarah koenig i don't think that she worries about getting herself in a lot i think it relies on good journalism good tape yeah good access to prove its points. It's not her grandstanding and making the point for you. It's just saying like, here's this judge. Listen to him talk. Here's this police spokesman who, the, the one thing that I will say, and again, this is, this is kind of going back to the whole like Ezra Klein, from Matt, Matthew Iglesias frustration, kind of middle of the road, toast people. Mm-hmm. Sarah Koenig, I'm like, say it, go for it. You don't have to be like, I won't say that I like this guy, but I will say that I appreciate him and his candor. Right. And then 30 seconds into the tape of him talking, he's like, listen, Tamir Rice wasn't from a good household. Right. And then he says something or some things that are so bad, she can't even put in her own podcast. Right. And she still wants to in any way say, Oh, but I appreciate his access. He's self-deprecating. He's in some way aware. No, he's not. He's a racist bigot. And the fact that, again, he's risen to his power is an indictment on the whole system. It's not somebody, he's not somebody to be tolerated. You know what I mean? Like, where's the anger? Well, I don't need, like, the Vox explainer for how how does a racist uh, sheriff get into position? Here's our explainer article. Listen, there is something called economic anxiety. And what this does is it creates, you know what I mean? It's like, no, because there's a racism problem. Therefore, people get there, right? How did Trump come? Let's, uh, I have a 1,060 point presentation here to talk. The system's broken. He exploited it. That's it. The other party couldn't put forward a candidate that could rival this broken lump of he's not a human. Yeah. Of existence. Yeah. No, this is, this is a guy who doubled down on shooting a 12 year old to death. Who said, who, who given the opportunity to say, you would have handled things differently. He said, no, I would have done the exact same thing. And again, the, the, and that was the thing that she left in the tape. Yes. But, but I believe like what, what's amazing is like, you can play that tape for a hundred different people and you're going to have people say like, yeah, I don't see anything yeah. wrong with that. Right. The Kavanaugh thing. I mean, there is tape of a mother next to her two daughters being like, groping's no big deal. Right. And it's like the, Right there, you want them to hear that? You want to normalize that behavior? And you're like, okay with it? There, there, there's no mm-hmm. tape. There's no explanation. There's, there's no convincing somebody like that. There's no like Vox explainer article that's going to finally open somebody's eyes like that. I feel like to a certain extent, like we've convinced everybody we've convinced. And now anybody who's still supporting these systems, like, see ya, you're gone. I'm not like sending you these things or trying to talk or, you know, I can convince you. It's like, no, I, I can't. All we can hope is that they are isolated 
that they either through their isolation that wakes them up and they're just like, I'm lonely. I need people again. Maybe it is me. Or that in their isolation, we have the numbers and then we can like actually start like what we said, voting the Democrats, then vote out the Democrats. And let's get some non-sponsored people in there who actually care about, you know, people in representing us. Yeah. Um Did you listen to the Idols album? I've listened to a lot of it. What do you think? I have to say, based on the first song you sent me, I didn't think I would. I was like, I hear what what he's doing. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like the first thing you made me what think the of first song was the, the the first song you sent was um. Oh crap! I can't remember. It, it just reminded me, like, kind of like Dropkick Murphys a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, eh, not a... Yeah, there's an element of, like, the oi punk. Oi punk. Yeah. I was like, eh. But then as the song went on, it got a little more dynamic. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I hear what they're doing. And so I actually uh, finished out, like, the half of my car ride listening to the album. Uh-huh. Uh, and I saw that you shared it again today. And that, I will probably listen to it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I have to say there's been a lot of music released in the last week that, yeah. I've, been, that I've been working through. Um, but yeah, no, what, what I listened to was, again, even what I've heard, I don't know that I necessarily like it mm-hmm. or love it, but it's interesting. Yeah. I need to give it more time. Yeah. I'm fully on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it was an album that was on the vinyl me please store. And usually when something pop up, pops up there, uh, I'll check it out just to see if it's what year was it released this year. Yeah. I thought it was this year. Okay. I thought I was like, uh, and so I listened to it and I was like, this is interesting was not like you. I was kind of like, not sure if this is totally my thing. But it grabbed me in some way. I I really like the singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I listened to it once, and I was like, you know, it didn't really do it for me. But I thought it was interesting. And then for whatever reason, I decided to because I thought the singer was so interesting. He has such a great voice, right? And lyrically, it's it's can be can be very interesting. Also, <laughs> yeah. be very very dumb right <laughs> so like well let me look these guys up and see what they look like and so i watched like a b a um uh jules holland performance mm-hmm. and it was pretty crazy <laughs> so i was like okay let me listen to this again i listened to it again and i was like fu- i'm fully on board yeah, and cool. i'll say that the the one the one thing that got me really into it is so lyrically you it's like it's like high or low right lyrically for me but at this point because i'm so into it the lows are now also the highs <laughs> so the high the high highs are like it's very politically charged yeah uh and it is very much like dirt bag left unity stuff like that right mm. so i'm like awesome great love it and then the lows are just so the the low highs, the mm-hmm. high lows are so dumb that I'm also like, okay, <laughs> I'm fine with how dumb this is. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some songs on there that are like, mm, yeah, you know. Right. Um but yeah, I I I love it. It and it's like, you know, it's a it, this is something that maybe it's like Obviously, it's not a boy thing, right? But it's like kind of like a boy thing where it's like <laughs> aggressive music, right? Uh-huh. Because Julia is like, does not like any form of aggressive music whatsoever. Just does not get it. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are moods, right? Where yeah. I Aggression. need to listen to aggressive mm-hmm. music. Like, just love it. Yeah. And it's like an out, it's like an actual outlet, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And especially when it comes to how frustrating a lot of this political stuff 
is to then get something like this. Like the Parquet Courts album is another album that lyrically I connected with on the same level. But it's not, you know what I mean? It doesn't have the same energy. It's a mm-hmm. great album, mm-hmm. but this has, you know, an energy that sort of matches the frustration that I think a lot of people are experiencing. Yeah, I, <clears throat> it's funny. Today, when I got home, my first instinct was to put on Mountain Man the new Mountain Man album. Uh-huh. And so I think that I, I totally agree. There are times where I feel aggression, but in response to the political climate, I find myself like, just give me some soft. Oh, really? Melodic. <laughs> just give me a space where I can kind of exist and uh-huh. fall into this music and feel better, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm excited to get home and watch some, it's alive with Brad Leone and listen yeah. to Mountain See, I, Man. I handle it completely differently. Yeah. I want the I want loud music and ideally I want to like be on my bike and riding. just riding my bike as hard as I can until I'm don't have any energy left. Yeah. I can't just sit. I I, I can't I guess I can't like unwind like that. I just want to rant without saying um or like or you know (laughs) into a microphone to to make myself feel better. Yeah. Um, Well, that that kind of gets back to as well, like um, I think we talked about this before, but it's interesting in the face of all this stuff, I do find myself. also, sorry. Yeah. They're also doing like, this is actually something that makes me uncomfortable about the band is they're trying to reclaim the okay sign. Oh, gross, yeah. Right? So they're like, they have one of their videos is like this, just their friend of theirs. The entire video is just him. And the video is more about him than it is necessarily the okay sign, but he's just doing that. And they've got a t-shirt with like the okay sign. You know what I mean? Not like they're, they're obviously not avoiding. They're like going head first mm-hmm. into like the political stuff, which is great. Mm-hmm. But the reclaiming yeah. thing, which I understand the yeah. intent behind, but yeah. still seeing it, it's kind of like, mm, I guess I'm also not like, I'm kind of on the mindset of like, just let them have, like, well, I, you I see don't that, care. Yeah, that, yeah, see, that, that is my thing is like, I don't care about that. Or, you know, I, I, I guess, well, now if I try and like look at the positives, I do like the idea that it can alienate people. Like, I do like the idea of it being something dumb that is enough that if somebody gets upset about it, they're, they're, they're going to not like you anyway. It's a good way of, like, um, clearing the chaff, I feel like. You know, it's, it's almost like antagonistically, I might want to start a podcast and have the first thing just be like, libertarians are dumb, you know, right. and then, like, say whatever and then go on with the episode just like perpetually do that so that anybody who's like i'm upset that he's like good then you're not listening like easy way to weed you out buddy um so yeah that's the so okay i mean yeah to me i guess it's like whatever but i i i like you i wouldn't be too worried about reclaiming symbols i would be like if they want the symbol then i'd be like we can take the symbol like yeah who cares? All right. I'll, I'll create a new symbol. Yeah. Idiots. I also kind of feel like it's one of those scenarios where if the okay symbol is not strong enough to stand up to like being Let it go. claimed by Nazis, maybe it wasn't like strong it's, enough to just stay around anyways. It's basic Darwinism. Maybe, like they wouldn't be able to like take the peace sign. You know it's, what I mean? It's survival of the fittest. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that sign proved it's to weak. be unfit. Right. He's genetically um, inferior to the other signs. Yeah. Thumbs up is probably a right, exactly. standard. They're not taking thumbs up. They're not taking the peace sign. Are they taking winking? Does that even count? Like you can't. Yeah. No, they can't. I mean, I think winking is probably vulnerable, to be honest with you. Well, now I'm trying to think, like, what is the negative connotation that a wink could come to convey? And that'd be really funny if it's like. Hey, man, like winking in the hallway and be like, white supremacist. <laughs> I saw that wink. <laughs> like, why? what would draw them to the wink? Um, so, yeah, I, I find myself in the face of all this, too, like 
specifically turning to like horror stories. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I'm working through NPR's 100 horror stories, greatest horror stories of all time list. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been knocking them, knocking them out just like one after the other. My audible history looks like a psychopath. <laughs> right. Um, but I find that like if you if you want to get down and like analyze it, it's probably that like again against this reality, it seems to make more sense to me than not. Which speaking of, I know the answer to this, <clears throat> but um Black Monday Murders, volume two. <laughs> no, I, I still have only read the first part of it. Right. It's at my desk at work and I always bring it with me to lunch and then i just end up like listening to a podcast yeah you got through the um coffee right with the detective and the german Mm -hmm. i think that is like the main part but i I actually was going to finish it today but then you said you wanted to talk about cereal so i I made it a priority to listen to that episode of cereal well yeah read read that because again i keep coming back to that too like that to me makes more sense but more than that, I think that I find escape in, in horror stories. Yeah. I find escape in films. And I find that those things actually tend to matter more for me. Like I, you know, looking at the fall movies, like I'm ex- I want to get back to the theater as soon as possible. Like I want to get back to watching movies. And I think some people tend to like peel away from stuff like that or end up feeling like, false or a waste of time but i find that for me it actually presents whether it's just an escape or an explanation i find it like engaging and Mm -hmm. and soothing it's like mountain man for me Mm -hmm. um but yeah so we should we should go see a movie what movies are out uh oh there's some good ones coming out the sisters brothers i think is coming out What's that? Um, it's like a alternate western, maybe with John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. and Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from this. I think he's French director. He made a movie called uh, A Prophet and a movie called. Deepon, mm-hmm. um, a prophet is like really good. It's just about this prison and this guy, this kid kind of works his way up the ranks in this prison, um, not gang, but group and maybe gang. And Deepon um, is an interesting movie about like this immigrant family moving to Paris or someplace in France and then kind of coming up against some societal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like both. And this is his first English language film. And the book apparently is really good. The book is on my list to read. Um, and apparently it's just like a really like weird, funny, like violent Western. And um, John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix are, brothers whose last name is sister oh, okay. so they're the sisters or sisters i think right. the sisters brothers and they're um they're hitmen and they're trying to track someone down to kill them and it turns into something else so mm-hmm. I, I think that's coming out I'd, I'd like to see that um there's another movie that i i think we're still a week away from getting released but i'm interested in seeing um I think is more horror related. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Not that I brought anything to begin with. How's the game going? I turned it off. It stopped working. Oh. <laughs> I turned it off a long time ago. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, oh, I guess one thing that I did want to kind of talk about. Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of the footage or? No, I just saw the um, the, the video that Rockstar posted. Did you see that? 
Who posted? Rockstar. Oh, Rockstar. Was that's like the six minute long? Yeah, the six minute long. Yeah, I watched that. That was like the original one that came out, right? Right. And it was like, and they teased like the a second one. It was like, this is the this is the new, right? Yeah, I, I, that's the only thing I've watched. Um, so I think I I heard a little bit. Are you considering an Xbox for Christmas at all? Yeah, I'll or? probably get one around Christmas. Okay. Maybe it just depends. Yeah, and then is Red Dead Redemption something that you're? Yeah. Um, and, um, we need to get root ever since you mentioned that board game to me. Yeah. I've just been reading about it. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, root, it's interesting. It's one of those, I've noticed like a, a trend on like the, the sort of, uh, the enthusiast subreddits. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like with the board game subreddit, or even with like, um, there's like, in, I think it's called Indie Heads subreddit, and like mm-hmm. the Hip Hop Heads subreddit. They all follow this pattern of like, this thing gets released, and like, here's the thread of it being and released. Obsessed about and that, every, right? And everyone's like, oh man, this is so amazing! Da 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 da. This is great. Blah blah blah. And then a week later, you get uh, some sort of follow up thread. And it's like, people are like, yeah, you know, this thing was hyped up and it's all right, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. I liked it. I enjoyed it, but definitely not what, you know, everyone mm-hmm. was going crazy about. And then you get like a month later, you get a post that's like, here's a follow up or here's a in-depth review, right? Of a guy who's been playing it for a month or whatever. And it's like, yeah, this thing sucks, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, it's just this so i have no idea if root is any good or not because you can look at the because like you like when the it was announced on mm-hmm. the subreddit they posted it i was like oh man this looks awesome and i was like oh i've been waiting forever for this blah blah, blah. and then the follow-up pattern it's like sure enough like a few weeks later people were like yeah i got it it's pretty good for you know uh, an introductory game or whatever and then they just had a thread where some guy came out and they did it recently and like Oh, I'm finally glad somebody's saying that. And the guy, like, hated it. And yeah. he's like, I'm finally glad somebody's... I'm, I'm glad somebody's finally saying this about the game. Although everyone was piping it up, and this game sucks. Well, I'm just mad I spent my money on it. <laughs> well, okay. I looked into it. It looks good. Yeah, it looks fun to me. Yeah, it looks but, fun to me, too. You know, so. To a certain select board game... Our board game... I don't even know what it's called. Right. The board our game board games, yeah. They are... Pissed. Nonplussed. <laughs> yeah, or... Yeah, actively angry.